Today's video is brought to you by StoryboardThat.com. Please visit TeacherCast.net slash StoryboardThat for a limited time offer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 63rd episode of the Tech Educator Podcast. It is Sunday night, August 17th. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a full house tonight, and we're talking all about Google Apps for Education, and more importantly, how to give professional development on Google Apps for Education. Want to bring on our co-host and the proud brand new father, Mr. Jeff Herb. Jeff, how are you today? I am doing very well and surprisingly somewhat well-rested. You look good today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Uh, Had a great past nine days. Our new baby's nine days old, which is just a crazy amount of time to say. Um, But we're having a lot of fun, so it's great to be here. Very, very cool. And looking forward definitely to getting your administrative point of view on how to give professional development thank you so much for joining us tonight want to also bring on from the great state of california mr sam patterson sam how are things out there they're doing great out here jeff glad to be able to join you this afternoon it's good to have you on especially coming off of google training you are now a google certified teacher looking to learn a lot about what you heard recently about how to give google professional development uh, something you know a little bit about right Exactly. It's actually kind of like this Matrix-style implant they put in your brain, so I've got it all going on. Excellent. From the great state of New Jersey, we have Mr. Chris Nessie. How are you, Chris? Doing well, Jeff, as always. How is the new uh, new crib there? The new crib is great. We're in the the new house, so I'm in the new studio, and life is good. No complaints. And I also want to bring on our guest for tonight, uh, Mr. Steven Santilli. Steven, how are you today? Hanging in there. Thank you, Jeff, for uh, having me on. First time on TeacherCast. Looking forward to it. Thanks for coming on. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a uh, lead learner at the William Davies Middle School in Mays Landing, New Jersey. I reside in Northfield, New Jersey, right near the uh, South Jersey Shore. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been participating in uh, Google Apps for Education for the past year. Uh, we started a pilot last year, which we'll hopefully be able to talk about. And we're moving forward, rolling it out in the middle school this year. Nice. You know, the reason why we're talking about Google tonight is because so many school districts are starting Google Apps programs or maybe in that first or second year, and they're really looking to figure out how to give the best professional development or what kind of professional development works. Should it be small videos? Should it be Sage on a Stage coming up? Should it be group efforts? So tonight we're going to be diving into professional development. We're going to be given some demos, sharing different things. We're, of course, live here on TeacherCast.tv. We have a great audience. Want to give a big shout out to all the friends out there at New York Ed Tech or New York Ed Chat, I should say. Peggy, and uh, if you hear in the back, my babies right now are also doing Google training. So we have a full group today. Guys, let me throw this one out there, and anybody can run with this. What type of professional development should we be giving these days? Should we be doing Sage on a Stage? Should we be doing unconferences in our schools? Steve, let me start with you, actually. What kind of professional development should we be giving? Um, I think right now it's a little bit of both. We've been, um, over the last couple of years, been incorporating both models. Um, and we've, we've talked about this a little bit at EdCamp Leadership recently. And at times, we have certain state mandates that have to be met. And, and of course, it's, it's going to be just kind of uh, facilitated by somebody that comes in and presents, whether it's on SGOs or whatever the case may be. But what we've been trying to do on the tech end is to incorporate unconferences. And one of the things we've done is, I first of all, I have to give credit to Kim Matina, who is my instructional technology coach in my school, um, at the Tech Lady is, uh, is her Twitter handle. And she has done a phenomenal job bringing in Google Apps for Education. We created our domain last year. And we've been doing um, Tech Tip Tuesdays. And Tech Tip Tuesdays are an unconference format 
We only have about 20 minutes at the end of the day based on contract time, and we allow people just to go to what they feel would benefit them, and that's kind of what we've done to try to incorporate the technology end of things, which has been great for us. Yeah, I definitely agree. We've been modeling something similar. I mean, you're absolutely right. There's those opportunities that you need to get the whole staff together and present a common message and get everyone on the same page. And, you know, it's usually those beginning of the year kickoff type things where you say, you know, this is what's best for students. This is what we're all trying to work towards and kind of getting a common mindset. When it comes down to specific skills, like you were talking about, we've really found a lot of success with the, hey, let's all get together in the morning and then we'll have breakout sessions, kind of like a conference set up so that teachers can choose their PD and be active participants in what they're actually sitting through throughout the day. Those are the conferences or those are the uh, professional development sessions that we have that are the best rated by our staff. We try and do exit slips and surveys at the end of each one. And the ones where we give them the ability to go to a session that is most meaningful for what they're doing in the classroom is really what scores the best. And those opportunities have been when we've gotten our own teachers that are skilled and proficient at doing things like whether it be technology or classroom management or whatever it may be, putting them in a classroom and saying, hey, you got an hour and 15 minutes, present to, you, present to the staff that show up in your room and make it, you know, make it worthwhile. And um, that's been something really positive for our building. If you know, I'd like to extend on that, Herb, and say that, you know, that choice-based professional development that's led by teachers is really important, but also having sessions that are long enough that you actually can get something done mm -hmm. and having the expectation that something will be done during those sessions. I was lucky enough to lead some summer sessions uh, this year through the Q Rockstar program, and they were two-hour sessions. And, you know, we spent 15 minutes talking about blogging, and then we built a blog. We spent you know, 20 minutes talking about what robots can do and what an interactive robot lesson looks like, and then we wrote a lesson. Uh, so teachers experienced it, actually set it up, brought their devices in. No longer do we have to go to training and listen about it and then go back to our computers and work. We've got our computers with us in training. Give them the time to do the work in class. So you try to structure that professional development just like you would a technology class where you're doing a very brief intro exercise and then a lot of meaningful application because it's solving the problems that they have as users and teachers. Totally. That's a great point, Sam. If you're going to I be agree. doing training such as Google Apps, where it is a tech thing, is it appropriate for a school district to get up and do the Sage on a stage and, and PowerPoint it out, or is it more appropriate just to do these small breakout sessions? I guess that's a really that's really what up to what your goal is. If your goal is to get teachers familiar with just the day-to-day possibilities of Google Apps or get them set up on it with just the logistics of how they actually work, then I think you can actually do that. Here's a guy on a stage that's showing you what can what is possible with Google Apps. If you really want to show them what's possible for their particular classroom, I think you do need to step back and break out into content areas or into more specific groups that the person that's presenting can actually give them feasible ways of using that technology in their classroom with their students on the projects in which they want to work with. Um, I think that that is lost when it's just one person standing in front of the entire staff. Right. And, you know, that's the time that we don't have, right? We can find presentations and podcasts and whatnot that do what is Google Drive. In fact, we might be in the middle of one right now. <laughs> but what we don't have in professional development is guided practice time. So you want teachers to be working on things that are important with them with support people right nearby so they can ask for help when they need it. Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, the, the PD that teachers get needs to be done in a way like we're told to teach our students, you know, where you have that, like, like Sam, you just said, to have that hands-on time, have that modeling, and what, what I like as, as a teacher, because you guys are administrators, I like the PD where I can learn something today and I can use it right away tomorrow, I think. And, and you get that from that hands-on time. Absolutely. And 
what we really need to do is model. I mean, we do this with our students already. We just had an iPad orientation day last week for all the students that are coming into our building in our iPad one-to-one -one program, which is about 500 students at this point. And the whole idea behind the orientation was to get students into the building, get the iPads in their hands, get them all set up, get them at least a little bit familiar with the apps and programs that they're going to be using so that valuable class time isn't eaten up by this orientation piece. But the whole idea behind the orientation, it was a sit and get. We had someone up on the stage showing them all the stuff, working them through the steps. But at the same time, we also had a panel. We called it essentially our genius bar of all of our district techs in the back of the room at a table. And at any time, if a student or their parents got off track or lost or had an issue with their iPad, they could easily get up, walk to the back of the room and get right back on track again because they had that instant support in the back of the room. And that's something that we just haven't done for teachers, and I don't really understand why we haven't translated that model, but I think it's really powerful. When we're Jeff, real quick, what grade is that program being rolled out to? Uh, high school, 9-12. Okay. Steve, could you talk a little bit about your experiences over the last couple of years? I mean, we talked a little bit about this a few hours before the show starts. Give us a little bit of your history here, and what I think we're really con interested in learning is what would you do differently that you didn't do maybe throughout the last few years in your building? Well, in terms of history, we're a one-to-one uh, -one school. We're a Talent 21 school, which means we got a 1.4, close to $1.5 million grant um, approximately five years ago. We turnkeyed that um, as resources for both professional development, technology, which was one-to-one -one at the time. Uh, Chromebooks weren't around yet, so we were kind of looking at um, Dell Netbooks. So we, that's what we were one-to-one -one with. Now we've gotten to a point where they don't even make netbooks anymore, obviously. Um, so we're in a, a huge transition. The other piece that we ran into is that we're not able to sustain the one-to-one. -one. So this year is a big year for us because we're not only taking on Google Apps for Education, but we're also taking on Bring Your Own Device. So because we can't sustain it one-to-one, -one, we're going to keep our netbooks in seventh and eighth grade we're basically um, cannibalizing is what I term it for the netbooks that don't work and using them for parts to keep everything else running for seventh and eighth grade. And we're going to then for sixth grade roll out as many Chromebooks as we can for the entire grade level and then also allow bring your own device. Um, in terms of what I think I would do differently, um, I don't know if I necessarily would do anything differently because I can't change when technology is released. And obviously, five years ago, I would have loved to have had a school full of Chromebooks. Um, and then I think there's also decisions that are a little bit above my pay grade, obviously, and ultimately would have to be board decisions to be able to sustain um, a leasing program or things like that. Personally, I think that would be the way to go. However, you know, in these times with uh, budgets that are difficult, um, it, at times is, is difficult to sustain when cuts need to be made. So... In regards to changing anything, I think what we've seen, and Jeff, you, you, you talked about this briefly as well, that the feedback you get from staff is that they want to be able to control the PD that, is, that they are participating in. And, and in all of the surveys we've done, especially in the last year, that's been huge for us. And that's the direction that I want to keep going, is having them be able to apply. And both Kim Mateen and myself participated in the All Things Google um, workshop at Stockton College this summer, and Rich Kiker was there, and um, basically it was the whole idea of unlearn and relearn, and that's where, and that's really what her whole presentation for our staff this summer for our own Google Camp is going to be. It's unlearn and relearn moving forward. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, at least on my in my perspective, one thing that I would have done differently or building would have done dis differently in terms of professional development stems very closely around our rollout of our one-to-one -one program. Um, I mean, we were bad at giving professional development to teachers when we first started our one-to-one. -one. And I think that's not an uncommon statement that's made by schools that have gone one-to-one. -one. I think that the trendy and you know, buzzworthy thing was, hey, let's get as many devices in our building as we can, and we'll figure out how to use them later. But the headline in the newspaper will be, oh, district whatever goes one-to-one, -one, and that's great. But we've found so tremendously that the professional development that complements 
doing a one-to-one program really determines its success and its effectiveness in the classroom. And as we've started instilling more professional development to the teachers that are doing these one-to-one programs, we're seeing that the utilization of the iPad in the classroom is not just a, okay, well, we found this app that you can do this worksheet that we used to give you in paper form, but you're actually going to do it in a PDF and then email it to me. That's changing dramatically. We're seeing that now that as we show teachers the apps that are available and we teach them how they can utilize all these great resources that are online and then kind of redefine and augment the way that their classroom is being, uh, you know, is designed, it's really opening up a lot more learning potential. And that's been really great. But we're still not good at it. I don't think anyone's good at it yet. If they were, they'd be probably millionaires right now and have written some great books. But well, you know, there it's challenging to provide professional development because you want it to be choice-based. But the, the brutal truth is that there are some weeks that if all of your professional development is choice-based, then teachers will choose not to because they've got a hundred other things that are going on. So <laughs> last year, almost all of our professional development was choice-based, and we had these Tech Tuesdays that... Um, hold on one second. Let's see what we can do. We had these Technology Tuesdays that no one essentially showed up for after a while. And then we went to pushing them out as screencasts, but I don't know that anyone was actually watching the screencasts either. So this year we actually have time built into the faculty meeting time. So we've got a half hour once every three weeks or so. Because there's some stuff that you have to go through as a group. You have to say, hey, guys, have you seen this new product? Have you, what, have you come into this problem? Here's how we're solving this. You know, just even getting everyone to sit down and talk to each other as users of common systems. You just need some of that time. Well, Jeff, yeah. let me ask you a question here. When you're looking at professional development, I've seen some administrators want to take a three-hour PD and run the entire Google suite. <laughs> What are your Good thoughts? Luck. I mean, I, I've done pre- PD. I, I was brought into a school to do a five-hour PD session. I was all set to go like and do forms and docs. And turned out that we actually spent about an hour and a half just th- with the concept of sharing a Google Doc and what can you do and what does that mean, forgetting everything else, but just the sharing concept. I mean, what recommendations does anybody here have as far as how to pace what to cover, what are the more important things. I know right now we're all talking classroom, and that seems to be the big thing. But if you're a school that really doesn't do tech, you don't need to go that far in. I mean, just the the basic concepts here. What are the basic concepts of Google that we really need to hit? If I could jump on that first, uh, in, in my building, I do a lot of independently run PD sessions for my teachers. Um, so it's not formal. I run them after school. I volunteer my time. Um, and what I find is, in terms of pacing and the method I use, I, I teach as if everybody knows nothing. It's the ground floor, and it's almost like an elementary school classroom, in all honesty. You know, very basic, like Jeff, you just talked about sharing. I'll go over sharing and keep it simple, less is more kind of thing. And then, you know, you run these sessions enough and often enough, you find out who's interested, you get more teachers that are going to show up. But it starts with keeping it simple. You know, treat everybody as if it's the bottom. Maybe you run different PD workshops where you say this is going to be a complete beginner session on Google and Google Docs. And then another day you can run something that's, you know, intermediate or advanced, you know, so on and so forth. But that, that, that's what my experience has been. And I think also from an administrative end, um, starting to use and apply some of those things with, with your teachers is huge. So even, for instance, if, if you're having um, PLCs take place, having maybe teachers sign in um, using Google Docs, where it'll just go and populate almost just as a sign-in or where they can take notes on exactly what was discussed during their PLC time, um, that's something else that we're moving towards this year. And what it's going to do is just slowly get everybody exposed to using something that um, rather than us standing in front of them for you know two hours trying to show them this is how you have to do it step by step it can be very you know boring to some um, but really putting it in their hands and letting them just kind of apply it on their own for something that they have to do anyway um, and giving them the tools to do that that's that's also from an administrative side 
um, kind of an easy way to kind of get them and nudge them um, to, to get comfortable with these tools. Yeah, I definitely have to second that. Uh, we're, we've kind of seen the same thing kind of happen on accident. It's not necessarily because we were trying it by any means, but um, just a very specific example in our media center for textbook checkout. We always would try and schedule teachers in different times and for the longest time, our media specialist would be the one that would just send out the schedule. This is the way it is. You come and get your books at this time. Well, that's not, doesn't work really well for all the teachers. And so we put it out as a Google spreadsheet. Teachers could put in their names where they wanted to come uh, at the specific times. And it works so well that a lot of our staff, they're like, well, why can't we do this thing with a Google spreadsheet? Why can't we do this thing with a Google spreadsheet? You know, they see how well it works and then it kind of, automatically applies itself to other things that are taking place in the building. So I definitely agree with you, Stephen. It's a great way to kind of push that technology out as well. Are we yes. at the point now where everybody in the building should have the title media specialist? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've told people, Jeff, that as a technology integration specialist, I assume my job is short-lived. I Because, I mean, eventually we all need to be doing that. What I grabbed here was at the end of last school year, all of our teachers set one tech goal and they wrote it on a flower petal. So now mm -hmm. in the tech director's office, and then we connected them all to STEMS, which is kind of a snarky nod to the <laughs> giant STEM initiative our school is engaged in. Uh, but, you know, in a very practical sense, I have this beautiful bouquet of goals with the different teachers attached to it. So I know that... Yosef is working on getting more music and fitness related uses for the iPad because he's the gym teacher and he really wants to figure out how to make better use of the students' iPads in gym class. And I've got that right there. And I know what's important to him. So in when I'm trying to figure out how to help him do more with tech, I can really focus in on his needs and his goals and bring him an app that has that in it and say, what do you think of this? And he can guide me to how that's going to be useful. And that's how I like to work with my teachers, where they share goals with me, and then I help them find tech that's going to be useful, and they're going to help me design how it's going to be most useful in their situation. And, I, and Sam, you know what? That goes back to also what we were talking about from doing a whole initiative with everyone, and, and in turn really just focusing on what the individual needs and especially in the classroom as a teacher, what they need for you to work on with them, um, which could be a lot more specific. And I know our uh, technology uh, director and, and really our instructional coach is, she is doing something similar. Now, instead of using a Google tool, she's actually going to capitalize um, and she's going to try to use Voxer this year. So that way, if they are... Um, let's say they want to learn a little bit more about Google Classroom or they want to learn a little bit more about how to create their own blog or whatever the case may be, they'll be able to ask some just very simple questions and have dialogue back and forth. Um, so they're even going outside of the scope of using Google tools to help also try to hone in to what their specific need is, which is, is huge. That's a really good idea. I like that a lot. So where do you go with professional development from the understanding that, okay, people need it, there's different ways to do it. What, how do you find that model that works the best for your building? And anyone can answer that. I don't think it's any one particular model. I mean, obviously, I mean, staff can change from year to year. You may be in some places where your staff changes, you know, during the year. Um, being able to try different things at different times, depending on what you're teaching, it's no different than having a bag of tricks as a classroom teacher. Has anyone tried, see this is something that I've interested to try, but I'm not sure how it would work, the EdCamp model as professional development in your building? We did a, an EdCamp model day where basically we had teachers um, agree ahead of time and we had to plan it out ahead of time to say what the sessions were going to be because we were really only using the first half of the day okay. so everything had to move pretty quickly um, and we also use it for a regional we had a regional meeting of private schools and we used an EdCamp model for that um, and we also sorted that ahead of time so 
it's tricky because a lot of these organizations, whether they're schools or the or um, you know a regional group, they really expect to be doing stand and deliver types of presentations. So when you introduce things like the EdCamp model, there's a lot of logistical space issues that you have to get organized because you're not sitting everyone in the same space where they're going to quietly sit still and absorb information. You actually have to create spaces that they can share information and that are conducive to sharing information. Well, one of the things that's happening in New Jersey, and, and Steve can, Steve and I are kind of similar on this, is instead of doing the EdCamp model in our district, we're just doing an EdCamp at our district. So, you know, this coming November, we're hosting the third annual EdCamp New Jersey in North Brunswick Township High School, or middle school, I should say. But because the location just happens to be great in... You know, it's in the center of New Jersey, and it's on the Turnpike, and it's by a big major university, and it's got great transportation. Our decision to do it there has actually brought forth, I believe, it's five or six Ed Camps. Um, we've had Ed Camp Steam, we've had Ed Camp Common Core, we've had all, all these different Ed Camps outside of Ed Camp New Jersey. House their conferences at there, Steve? You've got an Ed Camp coming up uh, in the spring. Tell us a little bit about what's going on. Well, what we felt was, um, you know, let's face it, New Jersey is like two different states, um, it feels like. So um, <laughs> we wanted to really try to capitalize on our friends and colleagues down here in South Jersey. So between Cape May County and Atlanta County, even Cumberland County, um, making that trek up to North Brunswick is, is quite, quite a distance for some people. Um, I enjoy going up there to connect face-to-face with people that I communicate and collaborate with on, on Twitter and, and on social media. Um, however, we chose to um, create EdCamp South Jersey. Jeff is, is going to be on board with us on that as well. And um, that's going to be March 28, 2015 at the William Davies Middle School. I guess this will be a good plug for the uh, <laughs> Dragons right there, a little bit of branding. But um, basically, uh, we're going to do it right at my middle school. And... Um, and, and it's also a great central location because it's right near the Atlantic City Expressway and Parkway entrances and exits um, near the Hamilton Mall. And uh, hopefully this will be an opportunity for us to really tap into the people down south here that seem to be a little bit slower, almost like the west coast to east coast is always how trends seem to go. Um, it seems the same way, like coming from north Jersey to south Jersey is also the trend. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to, to have this um, kind of expand just like it happened in Ed Camp, New Jersey, up north. Um, you know, I'm even kicking around the idea of, uh, who knows, maybe we could do an Ed Camp beach one day. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun. Who knows? Sounds we can, awesome. <laughs> so we're close enough. Um, there's a lot of opportunities down here. We'll have to see how it goes. We're going to get one under our belt and go from there. Steve, I understand there's going to be some empty hotels and casinos that we can do an Ed Camp at soon. I'm uh, actually going to be, believe it or not, it's funny, I, you know, I know you're probably kidding around, but guess what? Um, I'm actually going to reach out to some friends uh, that I know in the casinos because maybe we can get a block of rooms for people that want to come and, and that way they can have a place to stay and uh, maybe make a weekend out of it. I think that'd be a great Ed, idea. Ed Camp Bally's. <laughs> <laughs> very, very I cool. To, I have to find one that doesn't close. <laughs> you know, let me bring the conversation back to what's happening over here on teachercast.tv. We have an amazing chat that's going on and I want to bring up somebody who's no stranger to teachercast here. Jenny Graybeck has been throwing out some great links that she's been working on and as an Apple distinguished educator, she's been making iBooks and iTunes university courses. But and, and that's one way to do things. I want to ask you guys as people who are you know, creating these digital con- uh, digital screencasts and things like that. Talk to me about the function of a staff portal. How should school districts be presenting these things? Should we make a wiki with all the things? Should we just make a YouTube playlist? Should we go uh, iTunes and iTunes University? What are the popular choices out there for just organizing all that digital content so that way later on, if a, if a staff member needs something, they know where the digital library is? Well, Jeff, I think you named a lot of the great ones. And I think what will really be dependent on what is chosen is what the district and what the teachers and students are actually using. Um, Jenny's option is great if everyone's using iPads or MacBook Pros or MacBooks or whatever it may be, Airs, 
whatever. I don't know why I chose MacBook Pro specifically, but that's great. Um, but I, I know that Jenny's doing some awesome stuff, and we have to talk with her about what she's doing with iTunes U and iBooks Author and all that great stuff. So I think that's definitely a great opportunity, but not every school is using iPads, so that wouldn't necessarily apply to other schools. I think you have to kind of take the systems that are in place already and make it so that it's not just an additional thing that you have to keep track of and know how to get into. You know, if you're using Google Apps for Ed, it should be a shared folder that's shared with all the teachers, and it has all the resources that are in uh, that's been shared with them, whether it be just a, a doc with links to YouTube videos or links to blogs that are particularly good for the things that uh, teachers need. Um, I think it's really, really an important way to distinguish what systems are in place and what's being used and then figure out the best way to use those systems instead of just throwing another solution on top of it. You know, Jeff, um, it's, it's to, to go off of what you were talking about, we have um, something in place and, and I'm not like a huge advocate for it, but we use Novell in our district and um, we were able to create a staff portal um, through Novell and the intent is on the staff portal is exactly where really it's like one-stop shopping. So what we've done is we've incorporated every single link that you can possibly need. Um, I always do a lead learner daily message. So every single day there might be a message there from me and it just has a variety of info from meetings and everything else. We have a calendar um, that has everything embedded into that as well for the staff. We've got things on there like the word of the day and so on. Um, and what we've done, and even go back to, to what we talked about, like getting the staff to be able to apply um, some of these tools through Google Apps, what ends up happening is even our social media presence, we have them fill out a Google Doc in a form to be able to post social media. So if they're not comfortable posting it with our hashtag that we use on their own, they can go in, fill out a spreadsheet, and just put down what that message is for the day. It might be the music department, the sports teams, and so on. And everything is right there. Um, and I know that Kim Matina is going to be putting another section there that is going to have um, really everything from her YouTube channel and all these screencasts that she's created and embed them there as well. So it's, it's really important, I think, to have it in, in one location where at any point in time, whether they're home, they're on the road somewhere, they're in their classroom, staff have easy access to this information. You know, I can't say enough how wonderful our online uh, chat box is over here at teachercast.tv. Of course, we're here live every single Sunday night, so please come in and join the chat. Um, there's been some conversation here, but where can we go to find out some of these things? It's ever-evolving. And, you know, we were talking about this the last couple of weeks. We did a show last week on Google add-ons. We did a show a few weeks ago on, you know, intro to Google Drive. Kind of got me thinking here, and what part of this can TeacherCast do? And so we came up with this concept of creating short videos really on every little button, little nuance. So I want to play for you our first video today that we're calling Google Drive in less than five a series of short videos that really just gets to the point. And uh, in less than two minutes, you're going to learn just how to use your Google Drive. Hey there. Thanks for watching Google Drive in under five from TeacherCast University. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about creating folders in Google Drive. To create a folder in Google Drive, simply go up to the left where it says New, and then we're going to drop down to where it says Folder. And that's going to open up a name your folder window. We're going to name this Google Drive. And I'm going to hit create. And you will see that it's created a new folder here. Now I can, of course, create several new folders. Now, the neat part about these folders is that I can nest them. For instance, if I just take this and click on my mouse, I can drag this folder into any one of these. In fact, I'm going to take folder two, and I'm going to put it in my Google Drive folder. And over here, you're going to see my Google Drive folder. And when I hover over the Reveal tab, it opens up my folders.
I hope you liked this video and found it helpful. If you did, click on the like button below and leave us a comment. If you wish to receive more videos from TeacherCast, please click the subscribe button on the top left of this video box and visit TeacherCast.net for more information about Google and other great educational tools. Don't forget to catch TeacherCast live every Sunday night at 7 o'clock as we bring you the Tech Educator Podcast on TeacherCast.tv. So there was episode two of our new series, Google Drive in Less Than Five. Love to get some comments. Love to get your thoughts. If there are suggestions on topics that we can go for that, let us know. We would love to do that. And, of course, we're using the hashtag Google Drive in Less Than Five. Sam, let me bring you in here. I know that you're going to be doing some stuff now that you are a Google certified teacher. Um, I, one of the requirements when we went through was to do some kind of an action plan to either help promote, to teach, what were you thinking or what are you doing to help promote Google Apps in your building and beyond? Well, I'm uh, one of the most excited people about Google Apps in my building. So a lot of what I'm doing is sharing specific lessons and really looking at inspiring teachers to use Google Apps for different reasons. The action plan that I'm involved in is actually a group of five of us uh, Google certified teachers who are working on getting more teachers coding. So that's not even so much using one Google tool or another aside than, you know, YouTube for posting screencasts, but really just working on organizing a community to extend beyond that. But the principle is the same. You find people who are interested, you develop them, you get them to be essentially evangelical about what they're doing and share their experience, and they inspire other teachers. So it's kind of how you manage it and when you're lucky enough to have a largely choice-driven uh, system. Jeff, as you go through, um, you know, I know you, you, you've got baby right now, but with instructional <laughs> tech talk, um, you know, I know you give PD both in person and on screencasts. There are people out there in the audience that are making screencasts, that are doing things. What are the ingredients into good online professional development? When you're making something, what are you thinking about? What are you doing? What's... How, how, what goes into your uh, philosophy in making content like this? I think it's something that I know Steve talked about a little bit earlier, and your video that you just showed us is you know, very truth-telling. With The idea is you have to keep it simple, and you have to break it up. People need that kind of segmented approach to professional development because sometimes it's going to take uh, two or three watches of something or listens or reads in order to be proficient or at least even just feel comfortable utilizing whatever tool it is that you're talking about. And so, you know, as completely a perfect example, your uh, video you just showed about how to even get to Google Drive, um, that is what Steve was talking about earlier. You can't take on too much. You can't have 16 different things that's part of your professional development plan for one hour of time together. You know, it may take that full hour to get everyone in the room on Google Drive. And so I just think you need to be, you need to be really pointed and you need to know what your outcome is in terms of what you want people to learn. And then take a step back and figure about the first time you sat down with that technology or, you know, if you were to try and teach it to someone who really has no understanding of Google or computers, because there's certainly a ton of those teachers out there in the buildings as well. So I think it's knowing your audience, knowing what you want to get out of that professional development and then kind of marrying those two together. You know, I think you're right about that. And giving professional development is just like giving your lesson plans. You have to know where you are. You have to know where you're going. And you have to be ready for everything. I mean, I remember being up at a school district and talking to teachers who were brand new on Google Apps. Some of them are brand new on technology. And one of them was actually using a Google app that was, um, I, I guess, I, I, help me out with this one, Sam, here. But she was reading it in Hebrew. And because of that, her screen was flipped. I'm not sure what the technical term for that was. But I'm sitting there, uh, you know, at the beginning, at the front of the classroom, trying to say, "Look to your right, look to your right, look to your right." And she was like, "I don't see it," and it was over like, on the oh, other side. Never mind. You've got an experience set up an entirely different user interface because you're using a language that works in a completely different way. <laughs> of course you are. That's exciting. 
<laughs> you know, it's it's the kind of thing where I've found even in some of the blog posts I'm writing recently, uh, I'm taking the time to essentially help the audience set an intention for what they're about to do. Like when you're about to sit down and learn some code, I tell them to close the other browsers on their computer and dedicate themselves to just one thing during this time. Because while we may multitask a lot while we're using tools, when we're learning about tools, we really want to focus on them so we can, you know, learn it with the least amount of frustration possible but also understand that frustration is part of the process and it's just kind of a reiterative discovery because when people look at when I lead a PD and they're like oh my goodness that was magic I'm like wow I totally messed that up because this isn't magic this is following simple directions and anyone can do it let's take our topic a little bit farther here and talk about some of the ways to make this entertaining um Going back to when I did my Google training with this one school, we, it was come on in and talk about Chromebooks. And before we jumped into Google Apps, before we got into anything, I found a website, and I'm trying to find the link for it here, but that basically demonstrated how to start the video camera or the steel camera on your Chromebook and take a picture, and from there we moved it into Google Drive. Do you guys have any suggestions of fun activities that you know aren't necessarily Google maybe? but at least can get people up and running so a three-hour workshop isn't sitting. Well, what was pretty cool, and it's something that I've kind of modified a little bit, but at the ICE conference a couple of years ago, Jenny Magara used um, Doctopus, and the way that she demonstrated the use of Doctopus in Google Apps was by having us all go in, fill out a form with a couple of questions about who we were, what we were in terms of education world. And then she took all of those responses and then used Doctopus to process them so that it made different spreadsheets like Doctopus does, depending on what area you teach or what um, grade level you are. And then she had us all split up and go to different sides of the room so that we would get to know the people that were... Um, you know, within that specific area. So it, she was modeling the tool, but also getting us up and moving, meeting new people and that kind of stuff. That's, you know, just to start off the tool, that's a great way to get people up and moving. And you can do it for just, you know, particular interests, just to get, you know, an idea of what the tool can do, how it can be utilized and get people up and moving and thinking a little bit differently about what professional development can be. I know that's more of an advanced course. I mean, Dr. Puss is way down the line in terms of getting acclimated with Google apps, but um, it's those kind of ideas that get people thinking outside the box in terms of what professional development can look like. Steve, do you have any tricks for, that you use in your district? Um, I think probably trying to have fun with everything and, and going back to the application of it. Um, so, for instance, if you're talking about Gmail and you're trying to get people comfortable with Gmail, have people send each other messages back and forth. Um, you know, I try to probably apply as much as possible. So if I was doing a presentation myself on learning goals and skills, I'm going to teach it in a way or, or present it in a way in which I'm going to apply learning goals and scales, for instance. Um, but ultimately what it comes down to is trying to, to have them apply as much as possible. Um, using, using spreadsheets or docs throughout the presentation um, and try to come up with, if, I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now, but try to come up with maybe a theme um, that can go with the entire presentation. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what, what Kim does for us in another week. She's going to be doing our Google camp at the Davies School. Um, so I'll have to see. Maybe, maybe she'll have something I can share with all of you, uh, what she uh, incorporates for everybody. Chris, as a, as a, you know, you and I are not administrators here. We're, we're on the receiving end of a lot of this professional development. As a teacher, what do you look forward to, especially in the beginning of the year? I mean, what types of things – should an administrator plan for their staff from, from where we're, you know, we're sitting as teachers? Chris. Chris? <laughs> well, I, I would say at the beginning of the year, and this goes in a different direction. I'm here. Okay. Hello? Yes. Can I you hear me? Yeah. You're, you're, you're a little bit on a video delay right now. It's kind of cool. Oh, 
<laughs> okay. Um, as long as you can hear me, that's fine. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say was at the beginning of the year, I think it's, and, and this may go in a different direction, um, team building. Promote the culture of the building, and then if you want to bring Google Apps into that, something I was thinking as, as you guys were talking would be to use, say, Google Presentations and have teachers throughout the building collaborating on a presentation that's about the school. So maybe get them out there taking pictures, putting pictures in a presentation, talking about the different departments, and then you have something to present to, say, the incoming freshman if it's a high school. Um, if it's an elementary school, maybe some of those transition years, you know, from kindergarten to first grade, um, but have the teachers kind of promote the culture of the building and the, the lead learners can promote that, and you're also teaching Google at the same time. Now, Sam, is it true, you and I were talking about this earlier, and I know you're very, very strong on the point that good professional development includes puppets. Why is this? Um, because puppets are magic, and professional development in general isn't. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I, I got into doing professional developments because I couldn't stand sitting through them. So I figured, well, if at least if I have something to do, then, you know... Uh, it'll be more interesting, but you know, more and more finding something that, you know, they, that people can do together that isn't busy work. I mean, I love that idea of building community, right? Because that's important to do. And if you're asking people to make something that's going to be useful together, that's a great way to get that done. Um, we as teachers have very little time together and sometimes it feels like we have very little time together so why not waste it or we have very little time together so why can't we be in our rooms getting ready um, you know why do we have to do another one of these you know sessions um, I think teachers by and large have been you know just completely burned out on the different modes that we can throw professional development at them with but at the same time it need we need to learn about things um, and sometimes it's more efficient to do that as a large group where we can ask questions but we have to remain engaged and we have to have you know a halfway decent sense of humor because we're in a less than optimal learning situation um, so you know I bring the puppets in as much as I can because you may look at me and be like oh stupid man wasting my time but you know I put the puppet up and you're like okay this guy's shameless of course he's you know he's just, he's using a puppet he's not even trying no, so basically your philosophy is if you can't sleep through the professional development, you might as well be giving the professional development. Exactly. Have you met my mom? Because she <laughs> tends to sleep in sit-and-get situations of all kinds. Well, let, let me ask this one to Jeff and to Steve here. As administrators, I've seen administrators take the idea that let me go out and find the tech guru in my, in my district to give the PD. And I've also seen the philosophy of I want to find a teacher or two that doesn't know a lot. And then I'm going to ask them to give the PD, thinking that they, you know, they obviously have to learn the skill. They might be a little bit thorough. They might not miss a step. What is some philosophies as far as getting your staff involved in giving professional development? Walker, your eyes are whitewashed, so we're not going to go to you right now. <laughs> I really like the idea of getting staff involved in professional development, but I think it's kind of a mix between the two that you mentioned. I think that getting the tech person from outside the building in can be a little risky because they might go at a level that they're comfortable with, which is way faster than some of the obvious people that are going to be in part of the presentation. And then there's also the other risk of bringing in the person that you feel might learn something by giving the professional development, and that could end really badly too. What I really like the idea of is bringing in the teacher in your building that has pioneered the use of a certain tool in the classroom or has really gotten comfortable with it and is already starting to show other teachers how to use this tool in their classroom and they're just going to bring this more on a macro scale to all the staff. So it's kind of a mix between the two that you said. Uh, Herb, can't that backfire? Teachers be like, well, if I get really good at using that tool, they're going to make me run a training. <laughs> well, you'd think that after a while they would want to do it, right? Maybe, but I don't know if every teacher wants to work as hard as other teachers. That's a good point, but that way then they're not sitting in front of a professional development session that's totally horrible because they have control over they're it. They're running it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I want to end on a topic that's really, really hot right now in our chat room, which is Google Classroom. And there's a lot of school districts that are piloting things, and they're saying it's going to take a year or two to roll stuff out. 
But it seems like with Google Classroom, there's a lot of school districts out now that are going Google Classroom when really the thing just came out last week. Um, Steve, what thoughts do you have on something like this? Should a school go Google Classroom before it even really gets out there? People right now are saying they want to go Google Classroom, but there's no training on it, of course. Um, What's your thoughts on on piloting something for a year and then implementing it versus, hey, we're just going to jump in two feet here, sorry, Walker, and and go for this? Um, I think it's actually scary. Um, (laughs) So I know that um, I've spoken and and communicated with uh, Kim over the summer, and, you know, we're on the fence. You know, do we teach the teachers about G-Class folders or go with Google Classroom? Um, We were waiting and waiting. Um, I had an opportunity, like I had mentioned earlier, about um, having having a conversation with with, – Rich Kiker over the summer and just kind of put him on the spot and said, Hey, listen, is this really going to be ready? Is, is this going to work for us? And, you know, he assured me, he's like, it's, it's definitely coming out. You don't have anything to worry about and so on. So I'll be honest with you. We're, we are jumping in with, with both feet. Um, and it really comes down to, I don't want to teach the staff something that in a month from now, I'm going to say, Hey, you know what? Everything that we spent time over the summer teaching you, you could just throw out the window. And this is what um, you can use now, and it's and it's a, a you know a heck of a lot easier to use Google Classroom. But we're gonna we're gonna go with it. We're gonna see how it works for us. And I think in the end, you know, I know how my staff is, and they put their heart and soul into everything. And I think they're gonna be fine with it, especially with this sixth grade group that's that's going to um, really be implementing Google Apps for Education this year. Well, if you look at the the Google philosophy of of launch early, iterate often, it does seem a little bit like they're asking schools to engage in like the ed tech version of shut up and take my money. Uh, They even like rolled it out two weeks early to make sure schools could actually start with it at the beginning of the year because originally they were like, oh, well, we'll just wait till September. And everyone's like, that's way too late. So what are you thinking, Herb? I, I like it. I mean... I've just gotten my feet wet with it. I'm working right now on an article about it with just all the different aspects of it and tutorial around it. Um, it's easy. And that's what I think is really nice. And it's if you're a Google Apps for Ed school, which obviously you have to be to use Google Classroom, all the components just work so well together. And that's what I think is, is going to be a really beneficial piece about it. Um, does it put you in a really bad position considering most schools are either starting now like we already have or they are in session in a week or two? Yeah, that's a major game time decision. I mean, you kind of have to either just say, yeah, we're going to do it and hope for the best or, you know, say, hey, we'll stick it out another year and then really retool our efforts over the summer and then, you know, see what's changed over the course of the year because you know that's going to happen too. And that's something that's a little bit, you know, not disconcerting, but a little bit to think about is that as this product matures, there's going to be things added. There's going to be things changed. And maybe if you do wait a school year, then all of those kinks and everything will be worked out and the new product features will be added in and you're in a better shape come next summer. Can we talk a little bit about the fact that the ed tech industry has like two weeks to make a decision about an entire year and then you just (laughs) essentially wait and to make that decision again, like you're constantly evaluating, well, maybe come June we'll make a different decision for what we're doing in August. Uh, But it's nuts, right? Because we're looking for one solution that's going to work for 10 months. That's what we really want because we don't want to teach somebody something and then have to teach them something else because we actually don't have time to teach them in the first place. You know, we're stealing it from some other time and we certainly don't have time in the middle of the year to do any kind of major training. We have this intro week that we usually have about four hours for tech in and we have to cram every significant decision that we've made for these teachers and the tools they're going to use over the next year into that time slot. It's madness. It is madness. Sam, you bring up a good point because that's got to be the major shift that happens in education in general. Like you just said, your district only invests four hours of time in something that everybody talks about, everybody says is so important to education. You know, where's the time for it? Why isn't more time being devoted to something that everybody says, this is where we're going? Yeah, it's really true. But hey, if I had to 
if I had to do it if we were a Google Apps for Ed school and that's the sole thing that you're using, especially if you're a Chromebook district, I would say jump in. Make it I, I would say Classroom plus uh, Play for Education because Play yeah. for Education has some really amazing rollout tools and you can do device management inside of it. And that is a powerful combination. Yep, I'd give it a thumbs up. And I also think, too, that, you know what, there's not one specific tool out there that's ever going to be perfect. And that's kind of the way I was looking at it as well, that, you know, I'm pretty confident in what Google has to offer. The tool is, is really simple to use from what I've seen so far. And, you know what, we, we've used many different tools, whether Edmodo or anything like that. And every, every single tool that you put out there at times has, has its downfalls or glitches um, and I don't think this is going to be any different, but I think that moving forward, this is definitely the way to go. We're certainly going to be continuing to talk about Google as the weeks go by here. I know we're going to be having another Google episode next week. Sam, tell us a little bit about what we have in store for us. Well, next week we're going to have Josh and David, who are both uh, Google certified teachers in my Google Teacher Academy Mountain View cohort, and they're going to come in, and we're actually going to be going through Google Drive, Google Docs, and Google Sheets and doing a quick intro activity in each of those. So if you're a teacher who's just getting started with Google Apps for Education, not so sure what kind of training you're getting from your district, join us next week for a quick training on these Google Apps, and we're going to be looking at them not only on the desktop, but also on the iPad. And uh, as we go through, uh, we're not going to have a, a – so next week we're talking about all those different things. The following week we're not going to be having a show because of Labor Day weekend. We are going to take a breather so Jeff can spend time with his baby and we can spend time with our babies. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be doing some tech educator work up in, uh, up in Portland, Maine, so we're going to be enjoying that. But definitely when we come back in September, we will be diving into Classroom. We will be diving big time into Classroom. We're going to be having some special guests coming in to demonstrate Classroom. I know we're looking forward to the work that Jeff's coming out with. And definitely the uh, Google Drive and Less Than 5 show, we are going to be getting into Google Classroom tools. Chris, what is going on? You just released your 17th episode of the House of EdTech. Is that right? Absolutely, Mr. Bradbury. Uh, no guest this week because, again, I bought the house and I had no time to book anybody. But in the latest episode, I talked about some new tools and kind of having a new mindset as you start the new school year and some things that teachers who maybe aren't as tech savvy should give some consideration to as they start a new school year to use some tech. Jeff, what's going on with instructional baby talk? Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. Instructional tech talk. <laughs> hey, we've had a really exciting couple weeks here. We've released a new spinoff show. It's called EdTech You Should Know. It's a five to eight minute show that just highlights uh, you know, one piece of educational technology that's, you know, making its name in the classroom. And uh, we've had some great conversations with ThingLink. Susan Oxenvod was on the show. We also talked about Bulb, which is a student portfolio builder. That's been really cool, too. We got a couple more episodes coming down the pike, and that's excited to release. We also did a instructional tech talk, episode 21, on Doceri. That was released last week, and that was uh, with doceri themselves so that was great to be able to have that conversation as well so a lot of cool stuff happening and then the google classroom uh tutorial and screencast is going to be coming out in the next day or two nice sam what's going on in puppet world in puppet world we are talking a lot about programming in the primary grades uh my paperlessclassroom.com just published a piece that i wrote after interviewing bill ritchie from think fun games they're the distributor for the robot turtles board game and tomorrow morning, we've got the first in a series of Teacher's Guide to the Code.org tutorials comes out. So it will kind of walk primary teachers through that first Code.org tutorial, show them what it is they're going to learn, and kind of prepare them for that experience because we're looking to support as many teachers in coding as we can. Nice. Steve, where can we find out some of the, about, about the great work you're doing? Well, right now, um, I've got the Education Unblog that I started um, probably a few months ago now. Uh, so you can check that out. It's on Blogger, Education Unblog. Um, and we're looking to move forward to uh, Voxer, using Education Unblog, hopefully, and create a Voxer group with that as well, because for me, it's all about collaboration like tonight. So um, that's kind of what I've been working on myself. 
Thank you guys all. It is great to get everybody together here and share all of our passions. There is, of course, some amazing stuff happening over at TeacherCast. As you know, we spent all summer revamping our website. Chris made some amazing graphics for us, and uh, we are going to continue. If you haven't checked out, our website for this show is techeducatorpodcast.com. All of our shows, all of our videos, all of our links to subscribe to us are right there. Please Check us out on Twitter at TechEdShow and, of course, be one of the almost 1,300 people right now that are subscribed to our YouTube channel over at TeacherCast.net slash YouTube. There's, of course, some great ways that you can contact us and help be a part of this show. You can reach out at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail, leave us a message, show us your love, show us what you need. If you have any questions about Google products or anything, we want to hear about it. And, of course, you can leave us some feedback at feedback at TeacherCast net and subscribe on teachercast.net slash iTunes and teachercast.net slash YouTube. Thank you so much for being a part of the chat. It was an amazing chat tonight, uh, spearheaded by Blanca and Craig and, and Robert and Sam and, and, of course, the great Craig Yen. Stick around. Please don't go anywhere. We have episode six of a brand new show. I guess it's really not brand new, but of a great show from Brad Gustafson called 30 Second Take. We are going to share that right this second as soon as we are done thank you guys for being here we will see you next week with more from the tech educator podcast on teachercast.net and by the way if you're watching online SummerSlam is happening right now so we're going to switch over to watch some wwe thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your evening folks